Hey, Church Home. This is John. So good to be with you again. Uh, excited for uh, what's going on in our church, where we're at. Big hello to our Church at Home hosts all across the world. In fact, heard of a new Church at Home in Berlin, Germany, um, in South Africa just this past week. And so, so excited about all that's taking place in our church. It really is amazing to be a part of a church around the world and to be connected in the most incredible way. So grateful for that. And, and thinking of Canada Day and my wife being Canadian, we can't get up there, but but shout out to you guys up in Vancouver, all the way over to Montreal and the islands. We love you guys so much. I'm so excited to talk about Jesus today. And uh, here we are in our crazy COVID world here in 2020, but um, so grateful that Jesus uses, he uses everything to, uh, to help us and praying for families today who have either lost loved ones, dealing with sickness or dealing with um, any kind of difficulty right now. It is such a trying time. So we definitely uh, need Jesus more than we ever have before. And so as we come to talk about the Bible today and talk about Jesus, please know that you are forever always on our hearts. We're praying for you, church, uh, praying for your families, praying for your extended families, praying for your cities, praying for your nation. Uh, we love you so much. You are truly always on our heart. Um, so why don't we go to the Bible today? And uh, we'll pick up here in Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus, look at a few little passages, and then we'll tie all this together. Luke chapter 12, and we'll look at uh, verse 49. And I'm reading from the message in this, in this particular verse. Jesus says, I've come to start a fire on the earth, how I wish it was blazing right now. I've come to change everything, turn everything right side up. How I long for it to be finished. He's talking about the cross and where he's about to go. Do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. And he skipped down to a couple of verses. And then he turns to the crowd. So he's talking to the disciples. He turns to the crowd and says, when you see clouds coming in from the west, you say the storm's coming and you're right. And when the wind comes out of the south, you say this will be a hot one and you're right frauds. You know how to tell a change in the weather. So don't tell me you can't tell a change in the season, the God season we're in right now. And if you go over to Matthew chapter 10, and this is actually the same story in a different gospel. I'll just read verse 38 and 39. Jesus says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And then in John, uh, third John, the third epistle that the disciple John wrote, third John verse two, it's just one chapter. John says this, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Dear friends, I hope all is well with you. You're as healthy in your body as you are strong in your spirit. And the message, this, this same verse my dear friend Gaius, how truly I love you. We're the best of friends. I pray for good fortune in everything you do and for your good health, that your everyday affairs prosper as well as your soul. Let me pray for you. Jesus, today, thank you. Thank you for the Bible, Lord, our guidebook uh, to navigate us through this life. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And thank you, God, in every situation across this world today. 
Lord, you are helping us. You're leading us. You are the Jesus who goes ahead, ahead of us and prepares the way that we can walk, Lord, where you have us to go. I pray, Lord, encouragement today on your church, encouragement over every family, encouragement, Jesus, and every mom and dad and grandparent and child. Lord, thank you that you're building your church and you're building our families today, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to talk from our Jesus On series today. We're going to talk about Jesus on purpose, Jesus on purpose. And as I was looking at this and thinking about my boys are in fourth grade, so huge kudos to all teachers, administrators, educators out there around the world. I know my boys are at home 24-7 since March, Um, but listening to their teachers on online and just I'm so grateful for them and being in fourth grade and, and of course all them growing up, all the time growing up, thinking about, God, what is Elgin called to do? What is Reagan called to do? What's the, what's the, the, the gifts you've given them? What's the purpose you've called them to? And of course, as parents, we all want the best things for our kids. And so you think about it quite a bit. And I was remembering when uh, I put the boys in, I think they were five, six years old, and I put them in my friend, my good friend Rich's soccer camp thinking, because they both like to watch soccer, and, and uh, we root for Liverpool and the Seattle Sounders. Those are our teams. So I put them into the soccer camp, and I took the week off of work. I went to the university. I sat in the stands. I'm, I'm that parent. I think I'm pretty sure I was the only parent there for four days watching my kids attempt to play soccer. Uh, very quickly found out that one of my children never wanted to uh, engage the ball. He just kept backing up. And so later on, he would tell me, Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a soccer goalie. I thought, well, that's a good idea because those other positions probably wouldn't work for you. My other child was the exact opposite. I'm not exaggerating when I say he was slide tackling so many children. I mean, just kids flying this way and that way. And thank goodness it was practice because if it was a game, he would have been red carded over and over again. And we realized soccer is probably not the sport for them, probably not the purpose that they're here for. And so they're pretty good at hitting a tennis ball. So we put some investment into that and they're enjoying that. And and so my little 10-year-old tennis players, not soccer players, but the amount of conversations we've had, uh, my son, when he figured out that he could be a pastor in a church and not have to talk, then he's like, daddy, I want to be a pastor. He's a, he doesn't like to talk which is just like his father was, but he's like, well, if I can do that, then I, then I can be a pastor. So you have these conversations with your kids. And I was thinking the other day and about what we want for our kids. And if that's true for our children, then we should probably want for the whole world what we want for our kids. The same, the same options, the same opportunities. Um, and then I thought about growing up in school, and I was not really good at science um, or applied math, as I like to say. I loved history classes, loved all those things, but when it came to applied math or science classes, I really, really struggled. And for some reason, the if you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and from biology and then psychology, I was thinking about this in relationship to humanity, just basic human rights and what should be available to everybody, and of course, what Jesus makes available to everybody. Um, even when he was sacrificed on the cross and came back three days later and and resurrected. Let me just go through this real quick. I'm going to set this up, and I want to to, um, connect it to to the Scriptures. Here is Maslow's hierarchy of five basic needs that every human being needs. Number one, we need physiological. We need health in our bodies. Number two is a feeling of safety. Number three 
is love and belonging, a, a sense of love and belonging to a community or belonging in, in general. Number four is social needs or self-esteem. We all need to be respected in, in our humanity. And number five is self-actualization, the ability to use the talents and gifts that God's given us to work a job and to be effective in society. And I'm reading that list earlier this week and I'm thinking, man, some of that's up for question in large parts of our world and in certain groups that don't, don't have all of these things. And of course, it's God's desire because he created us that we would not just have physical health, that we would not just have a sense of belonging, but we would also have esteem and we'd all have, all have the ability to give life a proper go as my Australian friends would say. And so here's Jesus. And, and here's the times in which we live. And I want to speak to these times, and we're talking about Jesus on purpose. Jesus on purpose. What does Jesus have to say about purpose? I want to look at Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, and this is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And right at the beginning of his ministry, he makes in Matthew 5 and 6, is filled with this teaching that Jesus gives. And in verse 6, he says this, God blesses those, this is Jesus talking, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Other translations say God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or they will be satisfied. But in the New Living Translation, you see this word justice, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And you realize in the New Testament, there's another word in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language, in the Greek language, this word it used here in Matthew 5, 6 is the same word for righteousness and justice because you can't disconnect them. So we have, what is, what is the purpose of the church? And I want to speak historically, the purpose of the church so often has been that people would come to meet Jesus, that people would come to know their Savior, that they would have salvation, words we've used in church like you would come and be saved, saved from your sins, forgiven from your sins. But of course, Jesus takes that so much further. It is not enough that you would just have salvation in your soul, but that you would have healing in your body. And here in 3 John, and we'll look at it, and I'll, I'll say it here, and we'll say it towards the end. In 3 John, John says to his friend Gaius, Beloved, I pray that you have prosperity in every way, just as your soul prospers. I pray that you would, another way of saying it, I pray that you would have justice the just work of God in every area of your life, just as you've had salvation, that you would have justice just like you've had righteousness. Because, of course, it's the same thing. So we're talking about on purpose, and then and the gospel lays out very, very clearly, like we're, we're talking about here, the gospel lays out very, very clearly that Jesus did not just come to save your soul so you have salvation, you can go to heaven. But that, of course, he would bring heaven down to earth, that everybody would have hope, and value in this life that we're called to. When I look at my kids and now my fourth graders and I think about their future and what God has for them, I think, man, I want the very best for them. Of course I do. I'm a good dad. All of you as parents and, and as people you want for your families and for your friends, you want everyone to have the same hope and value. And when you see what's going on right now around the world and here in the United States of America where I'm sitting, and people are fighting for basic human rights. They're fighting just to be valued, just to have their life matter. 
And we, we throw, we kind of get, we can get ruffled about that. But the reality is we're fighting for something that God desires for all mankind. He doesn't just desire all men to be saved. He desires for the truth of what he really wants for them to come to their heart. And they realize that they can have the fullness of life in Jesus. As a church, we want everyone in the world to experience the fullness of life, full value, full hope. And I have enough friends right now, and if I can just talk really plainly, I have enough friends right now who are really struggling because they don't feel, because of systems and things in place in the world, that they are fully valued. And it's really easy to go, well, come on, you have every opportunity. But maybe they don't. Maybe systems are such that have been set up that they don't feel that value. They don't feel that opportunity. People don't feel. Not everybody feels what you feel. And the gospel comes along and says, I desire that in every way you would prosper, just as your soul prospers. Just as you've had salvation, you would have freedom and liberty and hope in every area of your life, not just in your soul, but your spirit, soul, and body with no liberty, with no freedom, with no expectation, with no life, with no joy. So... Jesus on purpose. I want to read this verse to you. In this verse, Paul says here in Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes a letter to the most generous church. In fact, most of Paul's letters that he writes are to correct some problem or to kind of to give them to say thanks, but also to address something that's maybe wrong in the church. Philippians has no issues. Philippians is simply a love letter of gratitude that Paul writes and he writes to a people who were so generous to him and generous to those who were traveling with him that allowed the gospel to be spread into the known world at that time, into Europe, into parts of Asia, as Paul went on his ministry that God led him on. And Paul writes this letter to the Philippians. And right in the middle of this, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. This is actually an encouragement. Be humble, he says thinking of others as better than yourself, thinking of others as better than yourself, thinking of others as better than yourself. And I have thought about that a lot in my life. Is it possible in this life? Is it possible in 2020? Like Luke 12 says, do you recognize the sign of the times, Jesus says. Do you recognize this God moment? Do you recognize, and let me read this again in Luke 12. Can you tell a change in the season? Can you see the God season we're in right now? Can you see what God is doing? Literally shuts down the world. And for many of us, we can't cross borders. We can't go see family and friends. We're stuck. It's not easy. Some of us just stuck at home and if, by the way, I'm all for safety and security right now and not putting your families at risk, and we've, we've kept pretty careful. Uh, so whatever your conviction is on all of that, but th the point is, in this God season, we've been shut down, and in the middle of that, fighting some of the greatest fights towards racial justice we've ever seen, other things going on and political rumblings and all these things happening, we've never needed the truth and the peace of Jesus in the realities of our heart more. And here we are in the midst of this. And here's this scripture that says actually what the gospel is, what the, what the, what the work of Jesus is, 
is to not be selfish, but to actually think of others more highly than you think of yourself, to think of others more than you think of yourself. That's the epitome of the gospel. And then it's Jesus in Matthew 5. It says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice because they're going to be satisfied. And I had the thought, where does fulfillment come from? Real fulfillment in real life. Not the life we try to create, but the real life that God's given us. Where does fulfillment come from? It probably comes from being hungry for the right thing. What are you hungry for today? What is, where do your desires go today? What do you want for your life, for your family, for your kids, for your world, for your sphere? What are you hungry for today? And the Bible said, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness, for they will be satisfied. I want to live a life that's satisfied. Jesus on purpose. What is purpose? We all want to know. I've been with college students my whole life, and everybody wants to ask, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? What am I called to? Can I give you Matthew 5, 6? What are you hungry for? Are you just hungry for things that are going to satisfy you? Or do you realize the Bible also says, I'm going to think, in fact, I'm supposed to think of others more highly than I think of myself. And maybe there's a key there to the way we're all supposed to live on purpose. On purpose. I think it takes intentionality. I think it takes a life on purpose to think of others more than I think about myself because I am really good and so are you, uh, but I know I am. I'm really good about thinking about myself. Think about myself all the time. In fact, living 24 seven with my two nuggets and my wife, it's crazy how selfish you get real quick and there's no outlet. I mean, literally, maybe you experienced this in COVID and a pandemic. You have to come face to face with some of the things that are really going on in your heart and in your life, and it is God, do you recognize the God moment? Do you recognize the time? Do you recognize what God's doing? Maybe he's bringing us to the end of ourselves so he, we realize what the purpose was really all about. The purpose was to think more about others. The purpose was to put myself second. The purpose was to see Jesus for who he really is and to have a hunger that rises in us that maybe we haven't fully experienced before. And I wrote this down. Maybe we aren't finding fulfillment because we're hungry for the wrong things. Things that can't fulfill us. When my purpose is Jesus' purpose, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to lay my life down. That was his purpose. His purpose was to lay his life down. And it wasn't to lay his life down for us so that those of us who follow him can go do whatever we want and call ourselves blessed. No, he laid his life down as an example for us. So we realize that fulfillment's going to come when we lay our life down. We don't cling to it, Matthew 10. We don't cling to our life and hold on with a, with a death grip, trying to hold on to our security and trying to hold on to our identity when actually it's all supposed to be in him, but we let it go. And in that we find life and in that we find fulfillment and in that we find the purpose it must be said, so often the church has existed to preach salvation, to preach that your soul can be saved, to preach that, come on, come find Jesus. And if you got Jesus, you got everything. When in reality, the whole of your life had gaps and marginalization 
And because you were a woman or because you were of a certain race or because you had a certain background or economic standing, you didn't have all the opportunity, if we're really being honest. But Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for what I'm hungry for, that everybody would know the value, that everybody would know the hope that only God can give. Because if we believe, and we do, that Jesus is for the individual, Jesus is for every life. When he went to the cross, he died for everybody who would ever live, past, present, and future, every sin ever committed, knowing that some wouldn't accept him and some would. But he died for everybody. So Jesus is for every single individual. You are the apple of his eye. He thinks about you all the time. He loves you so much. He went to the cross for you and took your place. He did that for you. But if Jesus is for the individual, that also means that he is for systems. He is for systems, systemic transformation that would give every individual the same hope and value that he desires for every person. So we're not just accepting our blessing, whoever you are and wherever you are, and then living life as if, oh, I kind of deserve this. You had to deserve nothing. I'm an outsider. I don't know about you. I've never been an insider. The gospel is Jesus made a way for every outsider to come to him. But you've got to know, I'll always be an outsider in the sense of realizing that apart from Jesus, I could do nothing. And that's how we see the world. And so if there's any injustice, if there's anything or any space in the world, in any of our nations, where justice is lacking, then it is Jesus who wants to come in and see transformation so every individual knows the hope and the value that we are all called to. I am not raising up my 10-year-olds to go live their life for themselves. I'm raising them up to lay their life down so others would know this same saving, redeeming, reforming power that only Jesus can give. They will not live life for themselves. I will not live life for myself and our church exists to see people come to not just the saving knowledge of Jesus, but the full operation of justice in their life through and through. John says, beloved, I desire that you have right here, that you have good health, that your everyday affairs prosper, that everything that makes you who you are as well as your soul. Beloved, I desire that you be in good health and all things in your life prosper just as your soul prospers. So in the same way you've known salvation, in the same way you will know God's justice, in the same way you have known his righteousness, you will know his justice. And the church fights for this, you know. This is who we are until everyone knows how good he is to the very core of their everyday life, not just their soul, not just their eternity out there, but that eternity comes here and changes our soul until every bias is broken down and every stereotype is defeated and every life is seen the way it is as valuable and amazing and wonderful 
That is the purpose that we're called to. That is the purpose of the church, is to tell the world, and that's the purpose for you and I, is to think more highly of others than we think of ourselves. That's following Jesus. Jesus, today, thank you. Thank you for these moments. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of who you are. God, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice today. Lord, thank you if they are fighting hopelessness. Lord, if they're fighting, Lord, the discouragement in their heart or their mind today, Lord, I pray the encouragement of Jesus to come to them. Lord, right there in that apartment, right there in that home, right there in that, in that coffee space, Lord, in that restaurant, wherever they're at today, Lord, in that church at home, God, I pray across that living room, across that family room today, that people would feel, Lord, the encouragement of Jesus right in the middle of their storm. We are not those who draw back. We are those who believe. And God, we believe in your righteousness. We believe in your justice. We believe in everything that you are for every person on the earth. And Lord, we will know, God, that hope today. I pray that hope would spring up in our hearts today spring up, oh well, within our souls. God, that we would know your life. We would know your joy. We would know the very love of Jesus deep in our heart. If you're here today and you would say, I want to know this Jesus and this Jesus we're talking about, he's better than we could ever depict him to be. He's better than we can try to put into words. But I promise you this, he died for every single one of your sins. There is no shame. There is no guilt. He takes it all the way. And we do believe in one moment of faith, simply putting your heart, faith, trust in Jesus in just a moment that you are forgiven completely, totally for the rest of your life and that you can know that victory and that freedom and that joy that only Jesus can give. And if you're here, wherever you're at today, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, you can put your hand up, put it right back down. Just a simple moment of just acknowledging heaven. It's not magical at all. If just in your heart, you say, I, I trust him. That's all it takes. One, two, three, right where you're at. Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Lord, thank you for every man, woman, and child, Lord, listening today, who's put their faith in you. Lord, I thank you. You are faithful to your word. You are faithful to your promise. You are who you say you are. You never fail us. Lord, our joy is complete in you. So, Lord, I thank you today. Jesus, we thank you. And I pray, God, that they would know that life even this week. Lord, peace would enter their home. Your joy would fill them, God, right in the middle of even difficult circumstances. But, Lord Jesus, they would know your victory today, your joy today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you so much, church home.